James chapter 1. Last, uh, two weeks ago, um, I was preaching there from the first part of the book of James as we were looking there in that passage, James declaring to us those trials that come by our faith, because of our faith. Those things, those attacks, persecution particularly, is he's, what he's describing there in the first part of, of this passage there from verse 1 really on down to verse number 12 as he describes those, uh, those trials, those temptations that are brought against us. And in fact, he, he uses the word temptation there in verse number 12. He said, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried... He shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. That word temptation, the word tried there, is particularly testing under trial. Testing under trial. That's what is being spoken of. Now, James switches gears here, beginning in verse 13. And that's where we're going to begin today. I don't know how far we'll get down through verse, uh, verse all the way down to the end of the chapter, really, as he's talking about this particular subject. We'll get as far as we can get along the way here as James just changes gear from those testings under trial, those testings that come because of our faith in Christ, to now the word temptation is the offerings of evil. When he says in verse number 13, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. Let no man say when, I, when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. Those are offerings of evil. That is temptation for sin that is being presented to us. And so James changes his, his context here from the trials to sin that comes in our lives. And uh, trials, uh, when they come, they can weaken us and make us more susceptible to the temptations of sin when they arise. And so he's warning us here in both cases. The reality is, in the, the testings of our faith, the testings because of our faith, those things, those temptations, they come on the children of God because we are His children. They come because this world is a wicked world. They come because this world is against God. They come because our sovereign God wants them in our lives to make us, to, to, to build us in Him, to strengthen our faith. So He allows these things to come that we might be built up in Him. But now, verse 13, we're... Where James begins here, he's talking about now these temptations that come because or temptations for sin that come our way. And these are, are things that come because we are the children of God. Because we live in this wicked, sinful world. Because we live in this world that is against God. And so these things come also... And the, but these temptations are to be refused. They are to be rejected. They are to be shunned 
in our lives. Whereas really we are taught those testings and trials that come because of our faith, we are taught really to embrace them. To even rejoice in them as we saw there. To to glory in them, Paul said there in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And so those are to be embraced somewhat, knowing what God is working in them and doing in us through them, even though it's extremely hard (laughs) to embrace them and to glory in them. But we're taught there to embrace those. But these that he's talking about, these temptations to sin that he's in reference to here in this next passage, these are to be shunned. These are to be rejected. These are to be refused in our lives. And so he says, when those kind of temptations arise, when these temptations or offerings of evil come our way, we realize these are not brought to us by God. They're not brought to us by Him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. He is not the author of evil, the Scripture says. He's not going to tempt us to sin. So don't blame God when those temptations arise. He does not tempt with evil. Though, we might very well blame Him for it. Adam did. Very first sin. What did Adam say? When he ate of the fruit that God had commanded him not to eat thereof, what did Adam do when he was caught? Well, it was this woman you gave me. Understand, he's not blaming Eve. He's blaming God. It's the one you gave me. It's your fault, God. That's the reason that I sinned. It's because you gave me her, and because of what you did, I ate of the fruit. And we find ourselves... I mean, we, we see that, what Adam said, and we shake our head at that, my goodness, Adam, you done it. You know, I mean, we, we immediately see what Adam did, and they, how could he say such a thing? But it's very easy for us to do the exact same thing. Lord, you know I'm weak there. Why didn't you put up more protections? Lord, why didn't, you, why didn't you stop me? Lord, why did you allow this to, to be put in my, in my path? You know that, that how I struck. Lord, why? Why, why, why? We do the same thing Adam did. We blame him, you see. But, but James is clear to us here. Let no man say, when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil neither tempteth he any man. He's holy. Absolutely holy. Absolutely righteous. That he does not tempt, does not tempt with evil. So, when those temptations arise, when we fall into those sins that come in our path, when we give in to those temptations that are before us, you cannot blame God. It's not His fault. It's yours. It's yours. 
Let's go on and read here. He says, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempted he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift, every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of His own will begat He us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of His creatures. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, Slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful here, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. If any man among you seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Pure religion and undefiled is this. Before God, rather, and the Father is this. To visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep Himself unspotted from the world. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer before we continue on. Our Father in Heaven, we thank You again for this day. Father, we thank You for Your grace. We thank You for Your mercy toward us. We thank You, Father, for Your provision this day. We thank You, Father, for the blessings that You've poured out upon us even this very hour. Father, we thank You for Your watch care, Your keeping us. Father, we thank You for Your love. We realize that You are in absolute control. Father, that we are in Your hands. Father, that our lives are by Your direction. And we pray, Father, that You'd help us to be a people that is submissive unto You, that we would yield ourselves to Your direction and Your guidance, that we would not wrestle and fight against You, but rather that we would give ourselves to You, that we would serve You as we ought, that we would walk as we ought, that we would sacrifice our own wants and even our own needs for Your guidance, for Your direction, for Your provision that we might know and do exactly that which You would have us to do. Father, forgive us of our sin. Forgive us of where we come short of Your glory so often. And ever make us aware of those things around us that would drag us down, those things around us 
that would be temptations for us, those things that would come in our lives that we would, we would be able, Father, to be discerning and recognize those things as quickly as possible, Father. That we would be, we would be wary of them, that we would be mindful, Father, when they come in our path, and be, that we would be looking for Your direction and Your guidance in them. Father, help us to be a faithful people. Help us, Father, that we be a righteous people before You. Holy people, as You've called us to be. Forgive us again of our sins, Father. Forgive us where we failed You. Ever correct our paths. Direct us aright, Father, that we would walk as You've called us to. Bless each soul that's come this way this morning. May our hearts and our minds be turned toward You as we look to Your Word. Open it before us. Give us understanding of it, Father. If there be any that are lost in our midst this morning, Father, we pray that You might open their eyes and their hearts, that Your Spirit might speak to them the truth of Your Gospel. And we pray, Father, that by Your grace they might be saved this day. That they might be able, even this very hour, to declare Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior. Father, we pray that You go with us now. Give us grace as we seek to worship You, that we would do so in spirit and in truth. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, James says here that we cannot blame God. Even though, again, that is often the mindset, especially of those of us that know the sovereignty of God. Because we know God is in control. We know nothing comes in our lives without Him directing it or allowing it to come to pass in our lives. And so, no, we can't blame Him because of us failing in the temptation. We can't even blame Him for the temptation being brought our way. But we do know because He is sovereign and He has allowed it to be brought before us. He's allowed it in our lives. And so for us that know His sovereignty, it's very easy for us to say, Lord, come on. Why did you allow that? You know how dumb I am. You know, you know, how, you know how weak I am. And it's easy for us, if we're not careful, to blame Him just as Adam blamed Him. But it's not His fault. He says this to us there in verse number 14, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. God will not tempt men to sin. He will not tempt them to sin. But He will allow Satan to tempt us. He will allow Satan that window. And that, that, that window of opportunity for Satan is, is given parameters in the, in the sense that it is, it is still controlled by the sovereign God. 
that I don't know what those windows are, that those parameters that are given. I don't know how big they are, how long they are, how how strong they are permitted. I that's 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 the secret things that belong to the Lord. I don't know that. We're given examples of it when we read, for instance, concerning Job's life and and those temptations that were brought against Job, those things that were brought in his life. There were parameters that God put on it. And Satan brought those things into Job's life. So even when these things come, and even when these, these realities approach us and come in our life, we, as, we cannot blame God for the temptations that arise, but we can trust Him to know that He'll provide a way for escape, the Scripture tells us. And that He's the one in control in those times. It is most often when we are drawn away, though, as James uses that phrase there in verse number 14, that when we are drawn away of our own lust and enticed, we we have already bypassed God's Control. We've already bought that in the sense that we, we're not looking for Him to control us at that point. We're not, we're not wanting God's direction at that point. By the time that we are already enticed, you see, that we are already moving toward the sin. And so we're not, when that, by the time, verse 14, that James, by the time that comes about, <laughs> We've already, all right, Lord, stop me if you want to. You know, that's kind of our mindset at that point. So verse 15, he says, Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Now, we all have our peculiarities and our weaknesses. We all have those, those things that, that we are, are weak in in the, the, the temptations that come in our lives. And Satan, listen, he does not, he is not omniscient. He does not know everything. But he's been around long enough and he's been watching you long enough. He knows your weaknesses. He knows where you failed before. They keep a record of those things. And so in, in them knowing what those weaknesses are in you, those are the things that He's going to be tempting you with. And He has no problem tempting the children of God. That's, that's what... His job is from His perspective. Because He can't get God. He can't stop God. He cannot change the will of God nor the direction of God. But boy, if I can wound His people. And He will do everything He can to tear you down. To bring those weaknesses before you. He was so bold in it that He even did it to the Lord Jesus Himself. 
to hold your place here, go back to Matthew 4 and look with me at the example that Matthew gives us here of these temptations, of the temptations that were brought against the Lord. Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. Go back up to verse 1. This speaks directly to what I mean here in the fact that God does not tempt to sin, but He's yet sovereign over those, those things that come in our lives. This is immediately following the Lord's baptism. He comes up out of the water, low voice from heaven, verse 17 of chapter 3, low voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And then it says, Then was Jesus led of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. So he he comes immediately out of his baptism there. There is the acknowledgement from heaven. This, this in a sense, is is his ordination. This, This is the Father's attestation to the Son and His ministry and what the Lord had come to do. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And so there's the acknowledgement that that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Christ. That's what's being declared here. And He immediately is led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Now, what is proven, what is proven, that Jesus had to be tempted. Those 40 days and 40 nights. Now we're given here record of three temptations. And Jesus' answer to those each of those temptations. Let me tell you, He was tempting in all 40 days and 40 nights. In fact, I believe He was tempted. Satan was throwing those temptations at Him His entire ministry. But we're given record three here in chapter 4. Three particular things. And, of course, Jesus is fasting those 40 days and 40 nights. He's hungry. It says there in verse number 2, when He had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, He was afterward and hungered. And that's when it says the tempter came to Him and said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. The Lord had a weakness there in His flesh. He had not eaten for 40 days. He's just like you and I in that sense. He took upon Himself flesh to live among us in the likeness of sinful flesh. There was no sin in Him. But but He he experienced the same things that you and I experience. That's what Hebrews chapter 7 tells us. That's the reason He is... Such a great high priest. So what do we find here? Why why was it that the Lord submitted Himself and allowed Himself to be tempted for these 40 days before us? Number one, that very reason. So that He can be our great high priest and know exactly what you and I go through. 
That he experienced all the same things. He experienced all the same temptations. He experienced all the same trials that you and I face to a greater degree than you and I face. And he did so without sin. He he faced all of those offerings for sin. And did so without sin. He did not yield. Number two. The other thing that's shown in those temptations is the proof that Satan had nothing in him. That he he was who he said he was. That he was who the Father said he was. That he is the God of glory. And that no sin would enter into, no sin would get in the way, and there would be nothing that would deter him from the work that he had come to do. And so these temptations, but this is the, the boldness in this, the boldness of Satan in this, that he would dare tempt the Lord of glory. He knew who Jesus was. He knew He was the Christ. He knew He was the Creator God, and yet He would dare. He would dare in the weakness of the flesh. In the sense of our Lord's physical weakness in those moments, bring those temptations before Him. If he'll do that to the Lord, he has no problem doing that to us. Temptation, we see, comes by our own lust. Man falls into temptation when he is drawn away. And you can't fight temptation when you are in the throngs of your lust. You've got to to stop it beforehand, you see. You've got to recognize when the temptations come, when, when those temptations arise, where that is leading so you don't give steam or head to that. In other words, you can't have your hand in the cookie jar and then say, you know, I don't really need a cookie. I need to stay away from this cookie. You can't already be smearing the chocolate chips between your fingers before you decide, no, I better not. (laughs) That's not going to work out well. It's not going to work out well. You've got to stop before you ever get into the cabinet. You've got to stop before you ever get into the pantry there to where the cookies are. You've got to recognize beforehand and run from those temptations. Robert Leitner, he made this statement concerning the temptations that rise before us. He said, we are all born with something in our constitution which is bent upon perversity. The Scripture calls it depravity. The deadness of sin. 
And when we allow our old nature to join with the wickedness of this world, we'll be filled up with that sin. I read one commentator said we'd be pregnant with sin. And when it's born, when it's born or complete, it brings forth death. Brings forth death. Sin begins in the heart and moves outward into action. All sin begins within us. Before it ever comes out, it begins inside of us. We give it place. We give it place. We dwell on it. We think on it. We think about what could be in it. Oh, how great that would be. Oh, it wouldn't be that bad. Yeah, I know it's wrong, but God will forgive me. How often we presume upon the grace of God. How wicked it is to presume upon the grace of God. He says in verse 16, Do not err, my beloved brethren. James said, don't do it. Don't do that. Don't give sin that place. Don't give in to that temptation that arises. It's not better. It's not going to work out well. It's not ever going to be for your good. It's amazing how when temptations arise, we can convince ourselves that there's some good in it for us. That there's some good thing that we'll get out of it. It only produces death. That's all sin ever produces. Death. It's all that ever comes of it. Death. Things die because of sin. People die because of sin. Parts of us die because of sin. It always, always produces death. So James simply says, don't do it. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Don't give in to those temptations that arise. God's not going to tempt you with evil. God's God's not going to bring those things in your path to see you fail. Because He says every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variables, neither shadow of turning. God gives good things. He gives good gifts. By the way, He's the only one that does give good gifts. 
They only come from Him. He cannot be moved. He is always the same. And if He's gracious 2,000 years ago, He's still gracious. Don't ever use God as your excuse for sin. Don't ever blame God because of your sin. Whether in blame or in praise. Only that which is good and holy comes from Him. Only that which is good and holy comes from Him. I've had people before confronted them about their sin and what was going on in their lives and they they turn around and say, well, God blessed me with the opportunity for it. God, God, I've, I've I've been searching for a way to do this wickedness and God opened a door for me and I went through. And in a weird, depraved way, turn around and praise God for the sin they just committed. Don't ever blame God. And don't ever praise Him for your sin. He's, the one, he's not responsible. He's not responsible for it. You are. You are. The fact that you and I are His. Verse 18, He says, Of His own will begat He us with the word of truth that we should be kind of first fruits of His creatures. The fact that you and I are His is because it was His will and not ours, that we might be the brethren of Christ Jesus our Lord. That He's made us, His sons even. He is the one that begat us, Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. He says it's in, in John chapter 1, John writes there concerning the Lord Jesus and concerning the salvation that is brought to us in Him. He, he declares to us there in verse 13 that it comes to us not, not he says, uh, because of we were born to it, which were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. That's how that salvation comes to us. It's God's will. God's purpose. He is the one that brings that life to us. He is the one that makes us His children. It is His will that He begat us with the word of truth. Wherefore, He says in verse 19, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to write. We need to kind of quote that to ourselves every day, don't we? Amen. 
But we do, we do just the opposite usually. We do just the opposite. It's, it's, this is great advice in this non-stop world that we live in. That we be redirected in our path each day. That we, we be mindful to stop. Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait a minute. Slow down. Let me just listen for a minute. Let, let me just hear. Let me, let me listen. Be swift to hear. Slow. Slow to speak. Oftentimes we don't take the time to listen. We hear what we want to hear and we'll speak out of what we have thought we heard. Instead of taking time to listen and speaking from that after we've actually heard. Swift to hear. Slow to speak. And slow to wrath. That's the reason we often speak so quickly. Is because the wrath builds up in us. We feel our anger. We feel we feel the hurt. We feel the we we feel the 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 the, the attack against us, and that's that's the first thing that just just rises up in us, and so we. Stop off the ears and speak in our rage without hearing. Without hearing. What is said? Be swift to hear. Slow to speak. Slow to wrath. Read one commentator, so that's the reason God gave you two ears and one mouth. Do not ruin your testimony of grace. Do not ruin the witness of Christ in you by the words that come out of your mouth. Because, as he goes on to tell us here, our wrath is not holy wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. We like to classify this such sometimes. We call it holy indignation. I have a right to be mad. I have a I have a right to enact my wrath. I have a right to come unglued and scream and yell and do everything that I want to do. We like to make it holy, but our wrath does not work the righteousness of God. For the wrath of man worketh not. The righteousness of God. And so he says, verse 20, or verse 21 rather, Wherefore, wherefore lay apart 
Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. I love that phrase. <laughs> lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. That means the abundance of wickedness. Lay it aside. And receive with meekness the engrafted Word which is able to save your souls. Lay aside all the the wickedness, the filthiness of the flesh, that abundance of wickedness that is in us. Lay it all aside. Lay it all aside and receive with meekness the engrafted Word. Sadly, too often, when we are in the weakness of temptation, we have not been in the Word of God. And so there's a, there's a problem, there's a disconnect there. That when we stay from His Word, the temptations are all the more strong in us. And when, when, when those temptations are stronger in us, the easier it is for us to fall into them without paying heed to His Word. And so James says, put out the wickedness. Receive. Receive the meekness of the engrafted Word. The engrafted Word which is able to save your souls. The Word of God, it implants in us. It implants in us truth. It implants in us righteousness. It implants in us holiness. It implants in us faith. The Word of God, it, it, it works and it, it takes root in us. It's engrafted, he said. But it produces now something new. It produces, produces in us now something different because of that new nature. And so he says, receive that with meekness. And lay aside all of that wickedness. Because that wickedness brings death. But the Word of God brings righteousness. It brings holiness. It brings, it brings life. It brings life. Don't give in to the temptations that arise. Don't be afraid to run from them when they spring up. Treat them for what they are. Those 
poisons that will kill you. Run from them. Joseph gives us a good example of that one. Potiphar's wife came to him and tried to force him to lay with her. And what does Joseph say? I will not do this wickedness against my God. And he had to literally leave his coat in her hands as he ran out the door to get away from her. Don't be afraid to run. Don't be afraid to run from those temptations that arise. Because they will bring death if given place. Trials because of our faith. Temptations in our faith. These things come before us. One We rejoice in knowing what God is working to build us in Himself. The other, we run from knowing that there's only destruction that follows them. Run from those temptations. Hang on to our God. Do not trust your strength. Because you don't have none. Trust Him. Let's all stand. Brother Gordon, would you bring us a verse from Psalm? I've went a long time this morning.